What's up, guys? This is Corey, and I'm here with my man, Martin, and we're doing the next episode of the Stretch 4. Bring your man, Martin. Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, everybody? Happy to be back. Give y'all exactly what y'all been looking for. Uh, give y'all some some of this basketball knowledge, and we're going to talk some stuff. Oh, the, the we got all the good news today. ESPN... Plus minus. plus minus. Real out. plus minus is in. We've played enough games in this season that we can figure out who's real and who's not. <laughs> <laughs> and so we want to go ahead and get into it, man. Yes, um, yes. Me, me and Martin have been talking about it. And I think you got to start, if you're looking at the ESPN's real plus minus, the first thing you got to do, and basically, let me real quick. The real plus minus is basically a breakdown of competition, effectiveness on the floor, offensive, defensively, minutes played, games played, and wins. So it's a huge cumulative number. It's a whole bunch of stuff that people smarter than me have figured out. But it gives us essentially a number to tell us who has the greatest impact on the team. Correct. Um, and so the biggest thing, well, the first thing that jumps out is who's number one? LeBron. No. No. Wait, hold on. Let me go back. Mark Gasol, number one oh, in yeah, the yeah, NFL. Yeah. I mean, NFL. In the NBA and real plus minus. Um, LeBron, number three, which you, you kind of expect that now. Yeah. You know, is, is I, I thought LeBron would be less because defensively, um, his real plus minus defensively is .57, but his offensive real plus minus is 5.38, which is just incredible. Correct. Um, and then there was, you know, there's the same old characters. There's a couple people who I saw. I was kind of surprised Chris Middleton's as high as he is. I think part of that's going to come down solely because he's on a winning team and they're doing a lot of scoring. I think that's going to end up coming down later on. Um, Kimba, I'm happy for. I mean, Kimba's doing his thing. Um, he has no choice, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, Mike ain't giving him no help. No. Um, but then, I guess there's a, a – John Wall is a surprise as high as he is. That's a huge surprise to me that but he's see, as high as he is. The thing with John Wall, real quick, is that I don't think we have a doubt that he can play. I just think it's a desire. I have that doubt. I think it's his desire in him as a teammate. Why do you think that? So, John Wall is your prototypical rec league – Black top LA fitness basketball player. Meaning you know if what? I if I choose him on my team, I know he's probably gonna score the majority of the points. Yeah, you're he's right. gonna be all over the place. We may or may not win. Doesn't really matter to him. But he cause he already knows as long as he got next. Cause he knows whoever got next is gonna pick him up. So he don't care if he win or lose. It's just gonna be for him, you know, out you're there. Right. So to me, I don't think, and now mind you, I'm saying right now, this is hard for me because I'm a Kentucky fan, and I will put my cape on for all 57 Kentucky players in the NBA. But the reality is, I just look at his game, man, and his game hasn't changed. When early on, the number one thing they said about John Wall is fastest player in the NBA. Well, just because you're the fastest player in the NBA, it doesn't help when you run a break and it's one against three. Because you outran the rest of your team. Yeah. And they still haven't been able to impart just the simple thing of, dude, you need to slow down so you got guys to pass the ball yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and so it's just like he's on that uncoachable level. It's just like he refuses to be coached. Um, and I think it's kind of you're kind of starting to see a trend. A lot of Calipari guys are like that, and that's because Calipari's not really trying to coach anybody. No. He's just trying to help you navigate this semi-professional league of college basketball. That is correct. So, um, and you start you see that with other guys, Boogie Cousins, and I love Boogie. Uh, I think he gets a bad rap, but the same notion, he's not a coachable guy. No. Um, let's see. The other guy I saw that was a big surprise, Robert Covington. And you know I'm a Sixers fan. I cape up for my boys. So are you a Minnesota fan now? Nah. Joking, joking. But, you know, I do root for both um, Robert Covington and Dario. I it's mean, understandable. I mean, I love them guys. Like, to me, there's, like, Robert Covington is, like I said before, maybe I was being a little hyperbolic when I said it, but he's a guy that the Sixers essentially created, where basically he was going to be a G League guy. And he actually started out in the G League, brought himself up, became a starter, worked hard, got a nice, I think he, I mean, I think last year he was the highest place paid Sixer until Embiid's extension kicked in, wow. um, like fourteen million dollars a year, you know, contract. And everybody universally across the league says the same thing: it's worth every penny of it. He gives you good defense, three and D guy. I mean, you can't. And he's just a guy who's just—he's not going to give you. You're not going to deal with the controversy with Robert Covington and Dario. Another one, just offensively, he's that good. He, he tries defensively, and that's—I yeah. think that's the biggest. Thing that when you get some of these guys where it's like you know they're not gifted defensively, sometimes you just need the guy to just take a foul. Yeah. And Dario's always there playing defense. So I really root for them guys. I can't stand Tibbs. Like I wish Tibbs is a plight in the <laughs> NBA that just needs to be kicked out. But um I just root for them guys, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um what what guys did you see that stand out for you? Um well not necessarily. What I'm going to say here is the guys on the last bit of the plus minus. So rankings. the last 30? Yeah. Hey, don't page 11 there were, guys. There were a couple. or One I should say for sure of a guy who I'm not a big fan of. A guy who I think is very potentially overrated. And I say potentially not because I think that it's something that's, you know, happening, but based off of who people what people think his potential is, is my guy, none other, Los Angeles Laker, Brandon Ingram. I believe what is he? Four four hundred and ten? Four ten. Four ten. Out of four hundred and thirty. Yeah. I mean, that was a surprise to me. Now I will give Brandon Ingram one slither of hope. Go. And that's the one thing that is universal is being a teammate of LeBron James is a transition is a transition in itself. It's not something that you can just that anybody there's no way of preparing yourself for it. And I think him last year when he played that role, when he was on ball, he would bring the ball up the court. The offense ran through him. You saw the potential of what he is. Maybe. The problem that I think that I have is, dude, you knew that LeBron was coming on July 2nd. You have to adjust your game to off ball. Everything he should have been doing all summer long should have been off ball everything. And you see him, he's just sitting in a corner. Yeah. And well, not doing thing. anything. And so the problem that I have is... Because of his length, 
what he's not doing in a post. That's one thing. Well, the thing is, he won't eat a hamburger. That's his problem. And so that, but so when I see him at four ten, it's very disappointing. This far, I mean, yeah. we're we're only what twenty games in, not even. Yeah, about eighteen. About 18. Um, he's um, let's see, four ten. He's at well, he only played thirteen games because of the suspension. Because of the suspension, four games. So we're seventeen games in, and you know, based off of it, it makes you wonder. Okay, so where can this guy go? If his ceiling is Kevin Durant. Nah, I, see, I never bought that. I, I didn't either, I but this is just this is what they say. Yeah, his ceiling was never Kevin Durant. His ceiling had, was always, uh, uh, to me, he always seems like a volume scorer. Like somebody that if he got hot and that. cooking. Well, he's not a volume scorer. In her, see, me and you have been around basketball long enough to think of volume scorers as the guys who would drive, 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 hit spot up for three, mid-range, and everything like that. Well, now a volume scorer is come down and hit three three-pointers three in a row, team calls timeout. Yeah. And so that's what you kind of got to see as a volume scorer now because guys ain't driving no more. No, they're not. You know, I, I, and, I, I don't know. I'm just I, – I, I'm not a Brandon Ingram fan, man. I, I think that you guys like can him. fetch a haul for him. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. I would, But, see, the problem is that I think that the Lakers are facing right now is everybody who they want is on the team. So, you don't have access to them. And they're on winning teams. That's what I was going to so say. So, you can't even get a feel for, oh, is he unhappy? And so, like, you look at Kawhi. Well, let's throw Kawhi out. Can't nobody figure out what Kawhi's doing. And I know that that's grammar statement that was just awful. No one can figure out what Kawhi's doing. Because Kawhi is, he doesn't, he holds all of his cards to himself. Um, but you look at a guy like Jimmy Butler. If, say, you wanted Jimmy Butler to team up with LeBron. Well, Sixers already kind of, I mean, the only reason way the Sixers make that deal is if they've already talked to the agent and said, we're looking at giving you the max. So you can throw Jimmy Butler out. Paul George didn't take a meeting. Um, you can hope for Anthony Davis, but right now they're not looking to. Um, um, they're not they're, looking. They're not it. entertaining offers right now. They're not. Um, I would say that that's not going to happen until the Pelicans brass actually has a conversation, and he actually says, "No, I'm probably not going to take the supermax." Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to take the. Here's the thing. It will be very hard for Anthony Davis to take to not take that Supermax. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people are talking about how Anthony Davis can go anywhere, you know, the Celtics. The, the reality is, it is, and I know these guys make a ton of money, but Anthony Davis will have to, he will get, A, the Supermax that he will get offered will be the highest Supermax in, in NBA history. It will be 220 million uh, over five years. I don't know too many guys who will turn down an average salary of $44 million a year. You're right. And you see your organization trying. There's competent management in your organization. You know, I don't think as much as people like to think that um, Anthony Davis fits with the Celtics, you tell me how that fits. Because the reality is, they can't get the cast of characters that they got to work together. You got, and you know what? Let's save the Celtics for enough. Because I got, I got, I got ten things I want to talk about with the Celtics. Okay. I'm ready for the Celtics. 
Um, but, you know, I don't see them even working together. I see that working with the Lakers, but it, I don't know. I just don't know if the Lakers, they got the juice to get them. Like, they're the Lakers. Oh, yeah, they're the Lakers. But the reality is, dude, how do you turn that? Look, Rich Paul, you could say he's LeBron guy. Rich Paul gets a, com- gets a commission based off of the highest salary sign. Yeah. Like, people forget that Rich Paul represents John Wall. And John Wall is endorsed by Adidas. Is so, he? Yeah. A mega Adidas deal. As of? Last year. I thought that he was a free agent. He was a free agent. No, that was, no, that he signed with Adidas last year. Wow, I didn't know that. That's what I'm saying. Rich Paul has shown that I'm going to go out there and get my guy the best deal. You know, because you would assume all these guys would just naturally be Nike guys. Yeah, Ooh. sure. They're not Nike guys. You know, um, he his job is to get his people the best deal. And to me, that's what he's done. And to me, I think that you disrespect Rich Paul as a business person when you just assume that he's just the mouthpiece of LeBron. You know. So, since we're talking about, we mentioned Anthony Davis, we mentioned LeBron, and originally talking about Brandon Ingram, talking about the yeah. plus minus. There is a conversation. Oh, when I see you, Jalen Brown, we're going to get to you, Mr. 417. <laughs> There's a conversation that we haven't had yet. And although this has happened already, we're kind of seeing the aftermaths of what's going down. And I'm looking at Golden State right now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering, what do you think? Now, here's here. I'll tell you what I think really quickly, okay. right? And I've had this conversation with some of the guys who I talk to on a daily with basketball. Okay. I feel like right now what you're seeing is you have to put the chips on the table. And if I told you, you can only take one of these guys, what do you take? Now, I agree. Now, I've talked. (laughs) I've talked with guys, and they think that Draymond is what makes this machine work. And although there's some actual proof and, and trueness to that, this is the thing about Draymond that I think we forget. It's not a problem really replacing him. You can get guys to do what Draymond does. So can, I'm going to make an analogy. And I want you to think three years. I make Say I'm making this analogy three years ago. Okay. And it, you look, you can consider it a hot take if you want. Draymond Green... Is Joe Kim Noah? Yeah, and let me let me explain yeah, this. No, you're I, don't, right. I don't want it to just be a, a, a crazy statement. The reality is, he, Joe Kim Noah was a at one point was top five in MVP voting yes, one year. Yes, Draymond Green is your energy. He's your guy who's going to make plays. He's going to be the guy who, in the course of a season, he might win you more games than your superstar with the small things that he does. Correct, but. Joe Kim Noah got those nicks, got those injuries, and Joe Kim Noah never became the same. Well, Draymond Green, I will promise you that Draymond Green will not play more than 72 games a season for the rest of his career. Even, I mean, and minus rest. Like, if you want to say, okay, well, five will rest, that's fine. But I want to say right now, he's going to be injured for a couple weeks of every year 
for the rest of his career because he's a six eight six nine power forward. forward center. Yeah. And his, they, they give him the responsibility of saying, Draymond, we want you to be nimble enough to guard a point guard, but then you also got to take the beating from a bo- – well, when yeah. a Boogie Cousins isn't against – I mean, isn't on your team against a Boogie Cousins. And the whole thing with Draymond is his long, freakishly long arms. Dude, long arms is not going to equate to a 270-pound guy putting his body into you night over night over night. Dude, it just beats you down. Well, and also, I think going back with the Joe and Noah uh, statement, I think you take it from the Knicks. You don't give a Draymond Green a big s- deal. No, you don't do that. You give him that middling contract, but he wants that big deal. Okay. And so that's and so I'm this not- was a conversation that I had. How timely is it that him and KD get into this argument? As KD's approaching the contract year, he's approaching, he's well, going to get a deal. Well, you know, Draymond needs to get, like, first team Correct. all NBA or, or, or defensive player of the or year. Or defensive player of the year to get that qualify get that. for Supermax. But how much easier would it be to do something like that without this guy on your team? And everyone looks at you and say, well, you're right. You didn't need him in the first place. Yeah. I mean, it's like the perfect time. If you want to start a pot, this is the perfect time to do it. My thing is, I just... Look, I know. Look, people are gonna they're gonna talk about this stuff with the um, Warriors, and they'll talk about it later on in the playoffs. And the reality is, it ain't bringing them down this year. No, they they obviously have like, too much talent. The I, problem I, would be what they may fall into is, and I think they'll be fine once Steph gets back. It's just the chemistry. It's just gonna be off. Nah, I mean, look, I, when they having fun. Yeah, and but, Steph brings the fun, and that's the reality. Steph is the guy who, when everybody, you know, Steph is when all y'all are eighteen years old. Steph's the guy who's the twenty-one year old that brings the beers for her. That's true. He, he's the fun. I mean, he just is the fun, you know. And so when he comes back and he starts playing loose, and all them guys start playing loose, and all, why do you think they brought Steph and was like, okay, even though you're not playing on this road um, series, just come along with us because Steph brings the fun. He you does. know, and he brings the even headedness, and you know, I, I just look at it and just like it's not going to matter. I, like, well, I think that series, from past, I think from past experiences, we've seen where teams that have what Golden State essentially has is this team that's been put together for a while. They go out, they get to the playoffs, it gets tough. They're still able to, you know, beat these teams down, but it won't be as easy because of the chemistry issue, and we saw that with the Lakers. Yeah. We saw that with the Lakers. And if you compare it, I mean, you look at the Lakers versus this Warriors team, and you look at, you know, just like the accomplishments, I mean, we're not looking at much difference there. I think the only difference is that the two stars actually do get along being KD and Steph. Yeah. That's probably the only difference. But I mean, you think about it. Steph and KD had their issue when, you know, KD was like, you know, didn't nobody want to go to no Under Armour school? Oh, yeah. Know, and, you know, that's Steph, look, that's Steph's money right there. Yeah, that's know. true. That is true. So, I figured that we at least had to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I think that I don't foresee a series coming up in which the Warriors aren't the overwhelming favorite. Really? No. I mean, who who, who would be the... Who would, who would you favor over the Warriors in any series? I'm not going to say favor over them, but there's a lot of teams that get them problems. Yeah. And with the state of them right now, Memphis is – they've given them problems Memphis for the past five years. Memphis tries to slow things years. down. 
Yeah, Memphis, their whole thing is we're going to slow you down and, you know, instead of five years, instead of man. 100 possessions, we're going to go at 60, you know. <laughs> it's been five years. That's true. They've given them trouble five years straight well, whenever they meet them. So let's do this. Let me go ahead and rip my rip into Jalen Brown real quick. Because if this overrated Harold Minor wannabe can just leave me altogether. Because the reality is, so far, his career is Harold Minor. He can jump really high. He can do some dunks that you were like, oh, snap. But the reality is, he's Harold Minor in a green jersey. And he doesn't he doesn't shoot particularly well. No. His shot selection is bad. Yes. Um he doesn't have a contract he wants, so he's trying to so he's just throwing up stuff. And to me, if he's not the first piece, if you want to talk about selling high, if he's not the first piece in any trade package that you put together, I don't know what the Celtics are thinking. Um and the reality is, if I'm the Celtics, I'd rather have Marcus Smart. Like, I never thought I would say that because I hate Marcus Smart's game and existence. But um, I would rather have Marcus Smart over Jalen Brown. But Jalen Brown, I think, A, you already got a better version of him in Tatum. And, B, he, as you're, as I'm looking, I'm looking at so – and the reason why I'm saying is because Jalen Brown's um, real plus minus is 417 out of 430. His, his defensive plus minus, which that's what you think would be a focus on him that he's getting better at, is negative 0.41. His offensive plus minus is negative 3.25. So he has a negative 3.66. And he's getting 28 minutes a game. Now, here's somebody. So you want to talk about who has a better plus minus than Jalen Brown. And this is just where we're going to go with this. And I'm going to close with this. We don't have to comment extra about this. <laughs> but um, um, let's see. Michael Carter-Williams, better plus minus than Jalen Brown. Uh, here's one, and if this ain't embarrassing, Kyle Korver almost has the same defensive plus minus as Jalen Brown. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, Markel Fultz, a significantly better plus real plus minus than Jalen Brown. And where's Fultz at right now? Exactly. So where should Jalen Brown be? Yeah. So, you know, we don't have to go into that, but just understand there's a lot of players in the NBA that are playing have a better real plus minus. The other one that I really would get into is Terry Rozier. Oh, Markel Fultz is 313. 313, okay. So, um, it's Terry Rozier. And the funny thing is, Terry Rozier, 294. He's not much better than Markel Fultz real plus minus, which lets you know, because the one thing I will give uh, Markel Fultz, his offense sucks. We all know this. But he has a plus defensive plus minus. 0.09. Point zero nine. Now, do you think that's him individually, or do you just think that it's the team? I will tell you that Brett Brown has put uh, Markel Fultz in a lot of games this year and was credited Markel Fultz for winning three games this year, where we were down by 10, 12. He threw Markel Fultz in because Ben had a, had a, a series of games where his plus minus were, were, was but he was negative. Like he was a negative factor every time he got on the court. Um, and we put Markel Fultz in. Markel Fultz made two or three 
really big defensive plays and led to, you know, three-point shots and stuff like that. And they kept him in as they continued that run. Yeah. So um, I think what we're seeing is what I think, and I honestly believe this, if you operate Markel Fultz as a second-team point guard versus an off-ball guard, and Ben, you can actually use off-ball because you can move him to power forward. But if so, if you bring in, when you have Ben on the floor, you have, what's his name, TJ McConnell. And when Markel Fultz is on the floor, he's your primary ball handling because he will drive and he will dish. Yeah, He's not going to shoot. And my problem is, and I, I raised this to you guys earlier, I think that, that, you know, if you're the coach of the Sixers, you say, look, for the next five games, I need you to shoot three times a quarter. Jump shots. No drives. Three jump shots. Per quarter. I don't care if they go in or out. And just leave it at that. And then that lets you know what you're dealing with. Because they let you know, is he broken here? Because I just not gave you a green light. No judgment, no nothing. You shoot three times per quarter, at least three times per quarter. Yeah, but I think the thing with him is like, for Philadelphia, there's just not enough time for experiment. But that's like, what I'm saying. But I'm, your co- I'm giving you that green light. And what you do but there's is, a lot of games where you as, can't afford as a him coach, to do that. What you do is, as a coach, what you do is you pick a soft spot of your schedule and what you see is you're going to have this run against sub-500 teams or whatever, which every team has, and you do it. And you see what happens. Because the reality is your risk-reward is so much better. If he hits on something by, like, game three, his confidence is up, he's making shots, you just got another player. Like, you got a legitimate player that you can put in your rotation if he does not hit on anything, you know what you got. Like, you can stop trotting him out there hoping he's going to be something different. But, see, I think that's the thing with him, man. I think it's a problem either way. What do you mean? I feel like if he goes out there and he, he's hitting and then... Or you know, put him in the G League. I still think he should go to the G League. Oh, that's what I think. I think he. I think that's where he should go. He should go to the G League, prove his talent. I mean, they put Malik Monk in the G League um, last year during his rookie season. And there was nothing wrong with Malik Monk to an extent. It was just he couldn't play defense. That was his main problem. And he, he jacks. He's a jacker. Yeah. So I think that's it. But there's nothing wrong with going to the G League. I mean, now you look at it, you watch the Hornets play. Malik Monk is actually getting some quality minutes there. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, he's part playing of the really well, play, playing really well next to Kimball. So, you really have to just take into consideration what it is that you want out of this guy, and where you see him at By in the way, next year or two. Just real quick, T.J. McConnell, Terry Rozier, interchangeable this year. Yeah, who th- who well, thought you ever see that? You hear the people talk about how they want to throw did. money at Terry Rozier. Well, I did. I, I, I've always liked McConnell. But let me go ahead and get into my um, my um, my Celtics ring. Go okay. Ahead. I'm listening. So, and any Celtics fan out there, you can get at me. The email address for the podcast, stretch the number four at gmail.com. You can address it to me. You can hit me up on my on Twitter. At Wait, QC Rice. You but, can hit me up whatever you want to let get in contact with. But me. did y'all just hear him call out all Boston Celtics fans? I'm calling out all Boston Celtics fans. All right. This convoluted, overhyped, not nothing to show team. Just get the all the way out of here. Like I'm so <laughs> tired of it. Because the reality is, and I've said this from the very beginning, mm-hmm. the only way Boston works is if you have a point guard. And 
The reality is you don't have a point guard. Wait a minute. Hold on. You have a score guard, which it's new. I just created it. But the only way Boston works is, and I was actually telling you, and I put this in chat. The only way Boston works is if they average, if um, Kyrie averages 20 points, 20, 22 points, 10, 11 assists a game. Yeah, but you- and the reason why I say that, listen to me. The one thing we've said about Boston is what? They have a huge amount of talent, right? So tell me, why is Kyrie putting up 30 like he on old Cleveland? Boom. So this is this is what I was going to ask you is that do you think that – okay, because what you're saying I understand. The problem that I have is that I feel like Kyrie is doing Kyrie. Everybody else That's is just, the problem. But, but this is the, everybody else is underproducing. Well, I think they're in a slump right well, now. That, that moves me to my next guy, um, Jason Tatum. Yeah, but you know what about Get Jason Tatum? all the way out of here with Jason Tatum. And the reason well, why is because Jason Tatum is taking some of the worst shots in the NBA because he's hooked on these Kobe-ish that's what I was gonna mid-range say. Isn't shots. Isn't he Kobe? Huh? I was going to say, isn't he Kobe? Yeah, trying to take these mid-range shots. And it's like, dude, do you understand that every defense in the NBA will gladly give you those so, mid-range shots? But, because it's better if I come back and respond with a three-pointer or we just or we drive, and plus you're taking away your one of your best skills. You are an excellent drive. You can get to the basket quicker and faster than a lot of. So here's the thing with Jason Tatum. I, I like Jason, and Tatum. he's holding the ball like he, he's he's playing this ISO ball. I'm about to start calling him ISO Joe. I like I like Jason Tatum, man. I, I like he, him too. I think he has a lot of potential. The only thing that I can say about him is before Kyrie got hurt. I didn't hear anybody talking about Jason Tatum. Facts. I didn't, I didn't real hear facts. anybody it's talking real about facts. Jason Tatum. Kyrie got hurt and he, he was had no choice but to step up. A game. Yeah, and he had to step up. And he had no choice. But I heard nobody talking about him. In fact, you want to know who I heard more about before Tatum started going off? Kyle Kuzma. Oh, yeah. Kuzma Kyle was Kuzma the was a thing before the Jason Tatum thing. Yeah. I you mean, know. It, it's just... It just I understand. So, uh, well, but this is what I'm. This is what I'm saying. Jason Tatum. He's, you know, he hit a point where we thought we were going to see something consistent. What we saw was a guy just filling in a role. He got but hot. he's not ready yet. He's not ready so for that torch yet. All right, here's the comparison. Now he's got with Kobe, but he's not ready for the torch. Here, here's the comparison. Sixers ended the season winning how many games in a row? It was like nineteen. Was it regular season or something okay. like that? It might have been. Won 19 games in a row, right? Mm-hmm. And what did everybody say? Wait one minute before we start saying they're hot. They played against three teams with a winning record. Yeah. Well, I mean, people are going to do that anyway. But winning, what, what winning, saying, winning. But no, 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 no. But the reality is, it's true. Yeah. You played. You stepped up. You got hot. And then when they had to play against better defenses, better teams, you saw all that fall because you were up against a team that was better organized, better talented, and had better potential. All right. So, Jason Tatum got hot. Like, he went on a streak, and you were like, man, this guy could be is just going to be deadly. But you can't erase the 63 other games that we saw Jason Tatum averaging 10, 11 games. And I see him, and I swear, I crack up every time I see him. Anytime Jason Tatum is on the court, 
And he's, he's you, he has that John Wall-ish symptom where if the play ain't for me, I'm going to sit over here in this corner. I watched, I watched, I went back and I watched Boston's last three games. And I swear, if Jason Tatum wasn't in the play, I knew it when he kept, by the time he got to, um, um, to uh, half court. Because you could tell it in his body language. And then if he was pressing, he would dribble, 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 and then take this horrible mid-range Kobe shot. So that's so that's my thing, right? I totally understand what you're saying. Well, my thing when it comes to Boston Celtics is that they've got a lot of guys underproducing right now. I see. I don't. I think that you got. I think you got what you're going to get when you have a score guard. But no, I don't think it's that. Dude, it basically they got. They got, you know what they did? You know? How well was it working last year when well, Gordon Hayward here's got what hurt? They did. Here's what they did. They went ahead. They got rid of um, Isaiah Thomas, who was a score guard with something to prove. Because I've been devalued, blah, 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 blah. And they replaced them with a score guard. It's like you got the ugly chick that made it, and you replaced them with the model that's been made it. And you're you're the same thing, but your team has changed. So, you no longer are the ugly guys. So then, you guys have all the talent. So then, what do you attribute the success of last year for the Boston Celtics to, especially last early year. in the year? Last year, and that's the thing. Without like, Gordon Hayward, no, it's last year. It's just last year. Like it's just like how in the NFL. But that's who we base like, everything but, off. But here's what I'm saying: like, it's just kind of how like in the NFL, they always say that defenses don't translate from year after year. No, it's don't. rare. Like you're seeing with the Jacksonville Jaguars, how they had a great defense one year, then the next year is like, well, they're not playing as consistent. It was like, yeah, that never translates into another year. It's the same thing. You got a new rules package in the NBA. Where you got the freedom of movement, um, um, where a lot more fouls, so that that's affecting all defensive-minded teams. You look, take um, the Jazz; the Jazz are struggling. They went from like the number two defense in the league to midway; they're like mid-pack. So, um, and the same thing with um, with um, the Nuggets; they went to one of the best defensive teams to mid-pack, and it's just because they can't touch and grab guys. And then you also got the same deficiency that Boston had last year, dealing with this year. They don't score. Like, for, for whatever weird reason, last year was the same thing. But they were so over-the-top good in defense, it hid the deficiency that they were keeping those games at 105 to 98, you know, stuff yeah, like that. Where this year, because there's the freedom of movement, your scores are getting way up there, and you got Boston still kicking in at 105. But now everybody else scoring 112. Now, here's what I will say. There is a team that is surprising as far as what they're doing and talking about points per game. 76 suits. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Incorrect. No. No, the I'm Memphis Grizzlies. I Memphis believe that Grizzlies. they're actually they're number last. one in the West. They're number one in the West. And they're last in points per game. Well, that's because the Memphis Grizzlies, they hold they play keep away. Oh yeah. And but me, it goes to show you. But can it's win properly that way. executed. And I, I you know me. You know that I've been advocating for any team if you're going to beat the Warriors, don't try to out warrior the Warriors. No. You have to be different. Play your brand of basketball. Like that's why I look at and I see with um um I see with some of the like Houston, that's why I never believed that they could beat the Warriors because they're trying oh, to be the Warriors. Because they're trying to be the Warriors, and it's like, so you're trying to have a Steph Curry. Tell me who on your team is Steph Curry. Because James Harden doesn't play Steph the way that Steph Curry plays. 
You know, you're trying to have a Clay Thompson. Who on your team is Clay Thompson? Because Chris Paul doesn't play the same way Clay Thompson is, and he's not as big or as versatile on the defensive side of the ball. So you have Steph Curry, who you have to hide him on defense. You got to hide Harden on defense. You have Chris Paul, who's a defender, but he only can do, he's a little guy, where Clay Thompson is a big-time defender, and he's 6'5". So he can, if your best player is a small forward, he can stick him. If your best player is a point guard, he can stick him. Yeah. Who, who's versatile like that? On. So it's just, you know, to me, I don't look at it that way. Now, I there's um, – what else did I want to get into real quick? So that was my Boston rant because the reality is they're eighth in the, um, they're eighth in the conference. And I think looking at their team – now, I'm not going to be ridiculous and say, oh, you know, it's over for them. No, we're not, we're not doing that. But what I will say is – it is it's indicative of what Boston is when they haven't adapted and I think that you have to start looking at the coaching because there's a lot of talent there and the thing that they didn't have uh, the, what's alarming is they didn't as much people say that you know the Sixers didn't seem to have a good plan for Markel Fultz this year they didn't really have a good plan for Gordon Hayward considering that everybody seems a university believe that the recovery year is another year so, when we saw Paul George get that injury, we saw him out for a year, him try to come back at the end of that one year, and then we saw his next year wasn't that great statistically for him. And we're seeing that with Gordon Hayward where he's driving to the whole – I think he has three dunks the whole season. Like he has three dunks all season. When he drives to the hole, he purposely falls so that, you know, he kind of avoids any kind of issues. And it's just like, you you had to know this. Y'all saw him in camp. Y'all saw what, I mean, on five on fives. Like you had to have seen this. And the fact that y'all put him out there to fail when y'all had other talented guys, yeah, I would be pissed from Jalen Brown and Tatum and all of them. Why am I taking a bench role to a guy who you knew is not ready? Yeah. And to me, with Gordon Hayward, he's an all-star. There is no lack of confidence with him or issues like Markel Fultz and stuff like that. So that's why I look at what Sixers did with Markel Fultz. And I'm like, ah, I can understand this because Markel Fultz, you know, you're trying to mentally adjust him. You're trying to say, look, you know, we're with you. Like, that's the one thing that everybody universally has said. Everybody from the top to the bottom of that organization that says Markel Fultz is our guy. And when he's ready, we're right. We got his back and everything else. But Gordon Hayward is just like, dude, he ain't got no friends in the, on, from on that bench. You think Terry Rozier really cares whether Gordon Hayward's there? If Terry Rozier can get the money that Gordon, you paying Gordon Hayward thirty one <laughs> million, you paying t- um, Gordon Hayward thirty one million dollars, and Terry Rozier is trying to get his deal and doesn't get the playing time because Gordon Hayward's taking up those minutes. Yeah, please. You think Jalen Brown? Man, Jalen Brown wants that wants Gordon Hayward's money, and he wants his minutes. Like there's so the only guy who's consistently playing on Boston is two, three guys. I gotta give it up, and you know how much I hate Hay, uh, Horford. He's been he's balling. Oh yeah, and he's balling in the diminished role that they've asked him to play. Yeah. Um. So I gotta give it up to him. Um. Which one of the Smart Brothers is on that team? The good smart brother. The other one sucks in Washington. 
I think uh, Marcus Marquise is on. Marquise is on. Uh, Marquise on Washington. Yeah. So Mark uh, Marcus Smart, no, not Marcus Morris. Smart. Mar- Marcus Morris has been balling. Correct. And Kyrie. But see, again, with Kyrie, and I'll go back to this, and I'll go back, and maybe this will be the sword I die on. Kyrie is going to give you buckets. Mm-hmm. Whether you win him by 50 or you lose him by 50, Kyrie going to give you buckets. And I don't think Kyrie has a, a large level of concern of whether y'all winning or losing by 50. I think he does. I don't. I like, do. I, you know why I, I, I look at that? When he was in Cleveland, he got all the buckets before LeBron came back. And he signed that massive deal with Cleveland. And that team has showed no interest in making that team better around him. But, you know, that's also a time period that you have to consider is like, when you come into the league and you see, wow, I know what I can do. But you know what? I need to put pieces around me so that we can win. You know what? I, I will stay at this organization. Y'all would promise But they me. had no show. They, they've never. No, but. I, I keep saying Cleveland, the only thing that they've been good at was the only thing Cleveland has ever done in the history of that basketball well, organization was have LeBron James born. You're right. But you have to look at it, what Kyrie saw. Before LeBron came back, this is what Kyrie ever saw. He said, okay, so there's me, and we've got a bunch of other guys. But at that time, Tristan Thompson's still on the team, but look, here's well, the thing. Right? They got the number one draft but that's the, what I mean. the year after Kyrie came in the league and who they draft. But that's what I mean. But before that, you you feel confident knowing, you know what, we got the number one draft pick, and we got a lot of guys coming No, out I'm draft. talking about the year that they um, drafted Bennett. That's Yeah. No, I'm talking about Wiggins. No, Wigan, that yeah, was after I, well, LeBron well, had announced he's coming back. What I'm saying is they shown that nothing, that they cannot do anything in that organization. They had the number failed. one draft pick, and they got a guy who people weren't even seeing was going to be a first-round pick. But you do have to understand one thing, right? Kyrie Irving was working his way to being a superstar. Dude, Kyrie was already a star. Remember LeBron he when he in played the All-Star on, game. Huh? In the All-Star game, he he was proving exactly who he was. And so, here's the thing. you Other guys start to respect you around the league, and you're thinking, wow. You know that he was actually meeting with Gordon Hayward before LeBron came back? Did you know that? What? He and Gordon, Gordon Hayward visited the Cavs. Gordon Hayward was trying to figure out where he was going to go. Well, he couldn't visit the Cavs because he wasn't free until later after that. Mm-mm. He he was he was in talks with the Cavs. No, he was a restricted free agent before he rejoined the the Jazz. No, he was a. Re- that's what I'm saying. You can't take meetings when you're a restricted free agent. I think he was unrestricted, man. No, no, no. Are you? Because sure? that was the year they, they talked. Kyrie talked about it. No, no. That, he it, said that he Gordon said now Hayward, he could he could talk to them. Kyrie can talk to them because they're just fr- you know as just friends. But the team can't meet with them. I don't know. Restricted free agents are still under there because there's a cat hole for that player. I, I do know that. Yeah, but, so they can't take meetings, but the Jazz were going to sign them. The issue was that the Jazz didn't pick uh, off them the five year deal. I mean, didn't um, give them that fifth year option, and that's why Gordon Hayward took that personal. Yeah. But all right, so we a little long on this one. We had a lot out. The um, real, I mean, if you haven't got a chance, go to ESPN and go to their um, real plus minus. Is a lot of insightful information. Let you know if the player that you like, I said, the player that you thought um, is real or not. And uh, we're gonna keep looking through it and digging through it and seeing what we can find and bringing those nuggets to you. Um, a few things I just want to plug real quick. Um, I know it's the holiday season. A lot of people are gonna be going shopping, doing a lot of things. If you can, 
go to gigpodcasting.net. No, gigpodcasting.network. Sorry about that. That is our official website for all of our podcasts. When you go to that site, you will see a Amazon.com ad. If you click on that, what it does is it just shows, it just allows us to, um, we get a commission for the things that you buy. We don't get any purchasing data or anything like that. So it's a way of supporting the show with by doing stuff that you're already going to be doing. Also, make sure you check out the RPO podcast. That is Corey Pinkney, Alex um, Jeffers, and Cody Smith. They always um, they're talking football. Also, the Get Rip podcast featuring Alex Jeffers and Cody Smith. Um, the Lamar and Corey show that's from the mind of my seven year old. The Gig Essentials podcast, which is a gig economy podcast. Um, and let's see. And also, we're going to announce it now. We're still in development for it. But Alex Martin, well, you hear me talk to him as Martin, um, is going to be developing a photocentric how to make your selfies look good Instagram <laughs> model st- style um, podcast where he's going to be talking about all things photography. Um, but in the meantime, before we got that going, Al, uh, Martin, can you share with them where they can reach you and see some of your work? Because it's great work that you do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, as he was mentioning, I do a lot of photography as well as videography. Um, I've been, as of recently, working and doing a lot of sports photography. So, uh, working with a couple different clients. Uh, I have one client very close to uh, some NBA guys. He actually trains guys. And I've actually been uh, working with a top high school basketball prospect here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And that's uh, actually been an honor uh, to do work with people like this. But... If you do want to go ahead and check out my work, you can catch me on Instagram as well as Facebook at The Philosophy. And that is spelled F-E-E-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y. I am the Phil. So uh, go ahead and check it out. You know, leave me some feedback. If there's something you think I should work on, let me know. I take all of those things uh, into consideration and uh, definitely be great to connect with some of you. So uh, really looking forward to it. Definitely, definitely. And just remember, you can listen to this podcast and all of our podcasts anywhere where you can hear podcasts. If you don't have a vehicle for doing that, again, go to gigpodcasting.network. It has a feed for all of our podcasts. You can listen right from the website. Give us feedback there. You'll also be able to see the uh, info for each of the different creators. So um, definitely, um, we appreciate your support. Until the next one, peace. Peace.